Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster this morning. Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or viewing this service over our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you have joined us. 
And if you're visiting with us, we offer you a special welcome and hope that you'll participate in all uh, aspects of our worship service. And if you're here in person, that includes communion. Uh, God's table is open to everyone, so you hope, we hope you'll follow the directions in the order of worship and feel free to participate with us in communion. Uh, also, happy Juneteenth today and happy Father's Day as we celebrate those two very important days on our nation's civil calendar. Uh, as I often say here, uh, I think I say it every Sunday, for all of us, our first gift to God this morning is the gift of our presence here in worship. And to acknowledge your presence, and if you're comfortable doing so, if you take the register uh, on the inside aisle and uh, complete that, we would appreciate that very much. We're thankful to Ella Mayfield for sharing with us some of her amazing art you'll find hanging on the walls of the narthex and i hope if you haven't already done so you'll spend some time with that art ella is one of our youth having just graduated from west washington high school and she will be attending the university of new orleans this fall on a full scholarship and uh, we her family is sitting right there <laughs> but they are they are proud and we're proud as well if you missed the concert last Sunday afternoon by our bass choral scholar James Wright and Leslie Hobgood, it is saved on our YouTube channel, so you can check it out there. It was a wonderful concert, as you will see. And on Tuesday evening at 6 at Grace Episcopal Church, James and our tenor choral scholar Preston Anderson will be presenting another concert to help raise funds for their studies away from Monroe this summer. And you can find out more about that in the insert in the order of worship. In celebration of Juneteenth today, instead of singing the final hymn that's listed in the order of worship, we will sing hymn number 593, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I realize that you don't probably have a pencil or a pen to write 593, so hopefully Debbie will remember to announce that uh, before we sing the final hymn. We're thankful to Peggy Caskey for the beautiful floral arrangement on the communion table this morning. And as usual, after the service, please feel free to take some of the flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. But since the flowers were given in Bill's honor, Bill gets first dibs. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but. Uh, we always appreciate our flower committee and certainly appreciate Peggy, who went, she and Joe went to the, to the air show yesterday and spent a lot of time, and she was here late yesterday afternoon putting all this together, and I think early this morning for some of the flowers, but uh, so we appreciate that. As always, please review the, uh, the insert in your order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. Now let us worship God together. Let us worship the Lord. In the meeting of our lives, in the singing of the hymns, the reading of your word, speak to us, encourage and forgive us. In the meeting of our lives, Lord, be the focus of all that we are. Amen.
The reading is from the prophet Isaiah. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? The one who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of this great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God will not grow tired. He will not grow weary. And God's understanding no one can fathom. Strength is given to the weary and increases their power. Even the youth grow tired and the youth grow weary. The young stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of angels and they will ride and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The prophet speaks. Thanks Thanks be to God. This is a day of many celebrations, which can be confusing to those of us who plan worship, uh, because there are so many things to say and to express. We do want to give thanks for the fathers in our midst, the fathers in body and in spirit. Um, it's hard sometimes for fathers to know how to say, I love you. Uh, my father never said it to me. But even though he could not stand church, he was there every Sunday that I preached. Thanks, Dad. And thanks to all the dads. And then Juneteenth. It's not that I've got anything against God of grace and God of glory. It's one of our favorites. I'm looking at one. It's one of our favorites. But as I began to think about the day, it it hit me that Lift Every Voice and Sing is in our hymnal. I I saw it as I was watching TV and reading about Juneteenth, and I thought that'd be a great way for us to end our worship and be sent into the world to do God's justice and love and mercy. Let us pray. O God of gracious love and tender mercy, On this Juneteenth, as we pray, we commemorate the end of slavery in America. This day reminds us of the progress made in achieving racial justice. Yet this day also reminds us of the progress we have not made. We celebrate the freedom of black lives in our nation, but we grieve that racism has not been eradicated by now. You created each person in your image, calling us to love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we do not love each other, ultimately, we have not experienced your love. As much as we commemorate and celebrate Juneteenth, we grieve this day. We mourn that our black brothers and sisters have not been loved as our neighbors We mourn that our black brothers and sisters have been treated less than those created in your image. So, Lord, we confess our sins and repent, trusting the healing and reconciling love that comes from your gospel. On Juneteenth, 2022, we ask you to guide our nation. May the good news of the gospel motivate us to love each other. May the ideals expressed in our words match the practices of our lives. May a fresh power of your Holy Spirit unite us all. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your will, your leading. We pray in the name of the God who sets all free. Amen.
Hear now the reading from the epistle of the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For Through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something there is that doesn't love a wall. That's the title of the sermon. It's not original the first line and the theme statement of a poem by Robert Frost. He starts with something there is that doesn't love a wall. And later he says, before I build a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall. Now his neighbor keeps quoting the neighbor's father. And on Father's Day, I have to say, sometimes fathers give the best advice. Sometimes it's not so good. His advice was not so good because the father kept saying, good fences make good neighbors. Frost didn't buy it. He said the wall has to come down. Could it be that that something that doesn't love a wall is none other than the God we meet in Jesus Christ? The author of Ephesians seems to think so. Christ is pictured here in this text as tearing down the dividing wall of hostility between God and humanity, between humanity and humanity, Walls between Jew and Gentile, but that's just the beginning of the destruction of the walls. Walls of race, walls of religion, walls of class, walls of nationality, walls of economics, walls of social status, walls of politics, walls of ideology, walls of gender identity, walls which divide, walls which decide where you belong, walls which decide where you do not belong. Someone there is who doesn't love a wall, who wants it down. And that someone is God. God doesn't love a wall. God wants it down because from God's perspective, the walls are built that we build so well and so high are insignificant. No wall is tall enough to wall God out. No wall is tall enough to wall God in, God sees over every 
wall and wants us to see others and ourselves and even God from God's perspective without walls. What are the walls which divide us? This day we're very aware of the wall of race and that wall is still tall. Right out of college, I lived in a small town in Arkansas and there was a railroad track running through the center of the town. The white people lived on one side of the track. The black people lived on the other side of the track. And they called the place where the black people lived the quarters. I couldn't figure out where they got the name from until a local resident informed me that the name was a historical reference for that location as the slave quarters. I wrote this poem in response to that railroad track. It's called A Wall on the Railroad Track. There's a wall on the railroad track, you all. There's a wall on the railroad track. And the wall is tall, time tall. And the wall is thick, hate thick. And the wall is strong, fear strong. There's a wall on the railroad track, you all. There's a wall on the railroad track. And the wall is made of stones, and the stones of the bones of the good black folk, and the stones of the bones of the good white folk. The stones of the bones, broken in anger, crushed by oppression, slivered by ridicule. There's a wall on the railroad track, you all. There's a wall on the railroad track. And there's a crack in the wall, and the crack is small. Hurry, patch it up quick before some innocent, ignorant children peek through, speak through, sneak through, and start something they can't finish. Start something you won't finish. There's a wall on the railroad track, you all. There's a wall on the railroad track. Someday, that wall will fall. When those who built the wall, repaired the wall, allowed the wall, all are no more. When there's children's children who can't remember why there was a wall inherit the earth on that day the wall on the railroad track will fall I may have been a little too optimistic in my youthful zeal for justice I've passed through that small town several times I've passed through very quickly I don't slow down because I was in a bit of trouble over that wall and uh, it coming down. That's another story for another time. Not in the pulpit, but, you know, sitting around. Okay. <laughs> Walls still stand tall on the railroad track. Walls stand tall on streets dividing neighbor from neighbor and neighbor from hood. Walls still stand around separating the good side of town from the other side of town, dividing those within. A divided community, denying community. Do you see the visible and invisible isolating and alienating and reinforcing stereotypes and prejudice walls? Good fences don't make good neighbors. Good fences make no neighbors. Someone there is who doesn't love a wall who wants it down. One someone was Jesus. He lived his life breaking down barriers between people, between the haves and the have-nots, the hyper-holy and the hyper-sinful, between the high-bred and the half-breed, between God and human beings. Ultimately, it cost Jesus his life because some people would rather die than have their walls torn down. Some people would rather kill than to have their walls torn down. But the reach of Christ on the cross overreaches any and every obstacle. And from the arm of the cross, there swings God's wrecking ball, knocking down the walls wherever they stand. 
But some walls are invisible. They're walls between each other. I put up a wall to protect myself, a wall you can't get through to see the real me because I'm afraid that you'll see the real me. I'm afraid of showing you my true feelings, afraid of what you might do with the real me. You'd see the true feelings I'd reveal, so I, I keep up the wall. And it's tough to haul this wall around this isolate matic all-in-one portable wall kit that I carry. But it, it works. It, it keeps people out, keeps me in, and I need my wall. I even bring my wall with church to church with me and install the wall around me as I sit in worship and visit with you. Through the thickness of the wall, I bring my wall with me to church, but here I am challenged to let my wall be torn down. Here in the house Christ built, there is no room for walls which separate. Jesus Christ begins to tear down the walls of the world right now, right here. Christ tears down our walls. Notice that in the text, it is Christ who tears down the wall, not Christ encouraging us to tear them down by our own efforts, but Jesus Christ himself tearing them down. And we're called to stand back and watch and then live in this new wallless world, a world awaiting God's grace, a world Christ died to save and lives to love. We would put Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 into practice. He is our peace in his flesh. He has made all into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Every day I'm more aware of people who are looking in on us as a church, looking over at us as a church, looking us over as a church, looking at YouTube thinking about us and what's going on here. God has not put us here to wall people out or to wall us in. How are we doing? How wallless are we, really? Do we mean it when we say all are welcome at Northminster? A black man walked by a white church. The white church had a big sign outside that said, all are welcome. But he kept on walking because he knew how to read signs. What do people read when they see us? I have to be honest with you. Based on the observation I've done over years, of the 10 years that I've been on and off participating in this church, our church, my church, I can honestly say that I've never served or seen a church as inclusive as Northminster. Part of that time was in Arkansas, so, you know, okay. <laughs> and then part of the other time was in Texas, so... There you go. But that's a big deal. I don't mean we're perfect and we're ready to start handing out halos, but I do mean that we've proclaimed and lived out the inclusive grace of God as fully as I've ever known. Not because we're such good guys and gals, but because of what we believe. We believe that in Christ the walls have fallen. We believe when God says all, God means all was looking at some old records of a church in Arkansas when I found an incident where the leaders of the church disfellowshipped a young couple for dancing. Their only defense was, well, it was square dancing. <laughs> it didn't work. They kicked them out of the church for kicking up their heels. Another church records showed that they would not allow an unwed mother and her child to attend the church. These stories really get to me. I mean, even if you think people are the biggest sinners, 
Wouldn't the church be the best place for them to find the biggest grace? I mean, even if they're on the opposite side of you politically on every issue, wouldn't it be better for them to sit under preaching which could bring more understanding? We aren't a liberal church any more than we are a conservative church. We're a church where all are welcome. And if we could see your colors, we'd see all shades and hues of reds and blues. We are not a gay church. We are not a trans church. Any more than we're a straight church or a cis church, we're only the church where all are welcome. We are straight, gay, trans, cis. We are all the above. And isn't it time that we say and declare all are welcome? We are a welcoming and affirming congregation, a welcoming and affirming to all. How could we serve Jesus who shows us the God who created all and loves all and graces all be anything else? What could be a better way to say who we are and who we've always been and who we always be than to adopt a statement of welcoming and affirming? You'll receive a copy of the statement this week. A copy will be printed in the newsletter. And we'll meet after church next Sunday to discuss the statement and we'll vote on it in the July session meeting. Pray about your decision. The square dancers of this world don't need another brick in the wall. The square dancers of this world need a break in the wall. A church which says, come in. Come in. I'll give you shelter from the cold. All are welcome. A church that says, someone there is who doesn't love a wall who wants it down and is looking for some other ones who will love walls as little as God does. Some ones who want them down. Some ones who will welcome God's wrecking ball to swing across their lives and across their world. Some ones who do not love a wall but who will be there when the dust settles and the walls fall to walk over the rubble and to embrace those on the other side of the wall, to work side by side with the other side and use the fallen bricks in the wall to build a world without walls. Amen.
churches have spent so much time fixing off the table and saying who can come and who can't come. This is who can come. If you're made of flesh and blood, you can come. Because God's love and Christ was poured out on all flesh. And it was even the flesh of Jesus Christ, his own body, same manner. After supper with his disciples, Jesus took the cup. And pouring it, he said, this cup is the new and everlasting covenant in my blood. All of you drink it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord till he comes to let us pray the prayer Jesus taught all disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,